Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. With me today are Wallace McKelvey of the Patriot News Penn Live. Hey. Always happy to be here. Thank you, Wallace. Uh, and Liz Navratil of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette and Philly Inquirer. And if you can't hear like coffee shop noises in the background, like usual in this podcast, that's because we are in the Capitol Newsroom, which is very quiet today. Except for the very loud heating vent. We have a loud heating vent. It's an old building. But the reason we're here is because we are just, we're here just in case some news happens and someone comes up to talk to us about the thing that we're going to talk about today. Pennsylvania's redistricting case. Um, This is a weird time to be recording the podcast because at this very moment we don't know a lot of important information about things that are probably going to happen at some point later today. Um, But we're going to... Or maybe not happen today. Or maybe not happen. That's (laughs) part of the joy of this Friday. Um, But so we're going to get into that. We're going to explain to you what we don't know, why those things are all important, and we're going to tell you what we do know and hopefully do some analysis that's useful to you uh, even after this becomes out of date in about two hours. Um, So guys, uh, let's just do a quick rundown of the situation. Uh, What has... (laughs) What's been happening this week? What needs to happen today? Uh, Wallace, you want to? Well, Friday is the deadline that the state Supreme Court set for the legislature to uh, draft and pass on new congressional district maps to Governor Tom Wolf. And ideally, Wolf would have until the 15th, which is middle of next week, to sign off on those maps, send them over to back to the court and then the court would review them and why this matters well you know the existing maps that were drawn in after the 2010 census uh, heavily favored Republicans the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said oh well you know that's not that's unconstitutional and it cited this free and uh, free and equal equal and free equal and fair yeah something like that it's a clause in the state constitution that ensures that um, all Pennsylvanians have a, an equal chance to have their voices heard in elections basically yeah uh, and they cited the fact that uh, the maps um, kind of drained the power away from Democratic voters in these heavily gerrymandered districts. One example is the seventh district, uh, which is looks like a goofy kicking Donald Duck because Among of how things. convoluted the maps are. Um, so what we're waiting on right now is uh, whether the legislature could actually uh, present us with maps or present the governor with maps. Right, and so it's getting kind of interesting though because uh, the Supreme Court didn't release their full opinion until two weeks, over two weeks. We got it Wednesday. We got it this Wednesday. So um, a long time after they had issued their original order to redraw the maps three weeks ago. And uh, that's significant, uh, the Republicans are arguing, because it didn't give them specific enough guidance to redraw the maps. Now, their strategy didn't actually change very much in between like not having the order and getting the order, did it? Um, We're told it didn't change a lot. Um, One of the things that we've heard um, in terms of criticism is that some people felt that even the majority opinion left some key questions answered, like where is the line? Yes, unanswered. Um, 
where is the line between how much political influence is too much political influence and how do you factor in other requirements such as having majority minority districts which are intended to help get more minority candidates into um, the state house. Now what's going to be interesting is sort of looking at the semantics at play as we go forward. Um, the order that came down said that if the General Assembly wants to submit a map, so that's condition one, mm. if it decides it wants to do that, um, then it should send it to the governor by today, mm -hmm. deadline day. Um, and it used that word submit. Yeah. When the majority opinion came down, the word enact was used um, very frequently. So obviously a lot of the attorneys are interpreting enact as the legislature has to pass something, which is physically not possible for them to do by the end of the day today because they are not in the building. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also it would take two days to even get through the legislative yeah, process they, from the point where they left it off this week. Um, they've been out of the office for various reasons for since Wednesday. Yeah. Um, there was a, a parade yesterday for uh, the... Uh, a team that won the Super Bowl. And the, and the <laughs> whole... She can't even bring herself to name. <laughs> no, no. How many lawmakers were there drinking the free bubble? Well, light? there was also a funeral, I believe, for a staffer. And so and they Wednesday were, was a storm. And Wednesday was a storm. Shut um, down the whole Capitol right. for like two inches. So anyway, they didn't get the maps passed through the actual legislative process. So as Liz is saying... Um, the submit word could be really interesting. Yes. So... Um, but so now, what we're waiting on right now, this at this moment, is uh, to see whether or not the presiding officers of the legislature are going to submit their own maps. And uh, so that would be the Senate President Pro Tem Joe Scarnati and uh, House Speaker Mike Terzai. And they, are, they and their staff members have been in sort of intense talks for the last couple of days. Uh, we're told they're, you know, working early mornings and late nights and stuff and trying to come up with their own version of these maps. And they're planning, if they can do it by the end of the day today, they're going to submit them to the governor and see if he will consider them and see if the court will accept that as, you know, the, uh, what, the, what we're doing going forward. With the idea being being that they might bring back the legislature in the next coming days to mm -hmm. approve that. Yes. So they're looking for Wolf's, um, basically, to see if he's all right with the maps, if he has anything to add, and if they can possibly go forward from that, they're going to bring the legislature back in. And there's a sort of interesting question in that, which is the order says the General Assembly should do these things. So can Mike Terzai and Joe Scarnati act on behalf of the General Assembly without some sort of vote occurring? It's right. also, also interesting to point out that the majority opinion, which just came out like two days ago, de-emphasized the, uh, the February 9th, i.e. today, Friday, it de-emphasized that deadline. And very high up, it said the General Assembly and Tom Wolf shall uh, pass along their maps on the 15th, which is next week. Right. So it kind of, it, it would seem that they gave some wiggle room to the legislature to, uh, you know, maybe fudge their own deadline a bit, which is what they usually do. Maybe. But again, like, there's so many things that could happen here, and we just don't know. We don't get specific communications from the core outside of like legal opinions. Wolf's um, spokespeople have just said that they will consider their options going forward <laughs> once they get a map, which is really a non-answer. Um, 
we have heard, and this is sort of just like you know stuff you hear from various people, that uh, lots of people think that the legislature is not within their powers to do this. That you know any legislation should be passed through the legislative process, which you know this is not, um, and there aren't really any circumstances that I've been able to find in which. Um, legislation just from the speaker and the um, the House speaker and the Senate president is considered legitimate and able to be enacted. Have you guys heard, I mean... Well, the, the House Majority Leader, Dave Reed, uh, was of that mind that he didn't think that it was, he didn't, he questioned whether it would satisfy the court to have just uh, the leadership send over a map without going through the legislature. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, to be fair, all of them say, well, our preferred method would be, be to have a legislative vote, to have it go through the General right. Assembly. But they did not do that. But they haven't done it yet. Uh, it's possible they could do it between now and the 15th. If they're allowed to. If they're allowed to, if they can get everyone back and on the same page and not fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and not to you know say this too many times, but there really are a lot of possible outcomes, and at this second we just don't know. So you know, I hope that that's useful to anybody listening, but also I hope that it drives home the fact that like this is very uncharted territory for the legislature. They have said this themselves. We we've, we've said this every podcast for the last three weeks. It, this is really not something that's usual uh, from the court opinion to how the legislature is handling it. Um, now. They are drawing maps, though, and that's kind of the the crux of today, whether they come up with a map. Um, We heard a good amount from various spokespeople yesterday, you know, late afternoon into the evening, that uh, those they are trying to obey the letter of this decision. Liz, you were, I think you were both there for talking to, this is from Drew Crompton, who's the chief uh, lawyer for the Senate, uh, the Senate Republicans. So what, what was he saying about how they're approaching this map stuff? We got sort of broad brush strokes, um, probably partially because they're still ironing things out Mm -hmm. internally. Um, We understand there might be some emphasis on keeping these districts sort of compact and contiguous, meaning that these things that are shaped like Goofy kicking Donald or like squiggly lines would probably be less likely to be seen in a final product. That's the specific thing that the court order said that they had to be. That was the, the new guideline that they gave us is that these have to be compact. So um, I think that's the biggest change, the compactness thing, because that wasn't part of drawing congressional maps before. And the hint we got is that that might have big impacts for like the 7th District that has been mentioned a couple times already now, uh, Pat Meehan, whole different interesting history behind that guy right now. Bye-bye, Pat. Um, Bye-bye, lots of people. (laughs) There's also some potential for change in the western half of the state. We heard uh, Keith Rothfuss. Sorry, I need more coffee today. (laughs) It's been a long week. Um, We've heard that his district might... Just try saying (laughs) DiGirolamo five times. No. (laughs) Uh, That district might be one that's targeted for change. This kind of squiggles through a couple of western Pennsylvania counties right now, including a portion of Allegheny County, which surrounds Pittsburgh. And that district has an interesting history. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was held by two Democratic uh, congressmen back before the 
the redistrict, and then it was sort of combined and shaped into different areas, and now is held by one Republican. Although the the, the district numbers are sometimes not instructive at all because right. they can just migrate all the way across the state. Right, right. Uh, but but the, the, that district also has an interesting shape that I think about the. Um, have you ever, for anyone listening, if you've gone to a county fair and taken a ride on one of those, it's like two carriages, top and bottom, and then it, it like circles. Mm. The district is shaped a bit like that, <laughs> only it's like horizontal. So anyway, that's one of the weirder ones. And Crompton did say, the Senate lawyer did say that the western part of the state is kind of the part that they're looking at the most strongly because I think, as he said, there are some issues out there. Issues. <laughs> that might not have been the word he used, but that's basically what he said. Um, and that is sort of a part of the state that's known to be a little funkily gerrymandered. Um, and is, then is that a technical term? Funkily? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Webster's. We you can look it up. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, they're trying to... I thought one of the interesting things he said is they are not considering partisanship. They're not looking at this, like, so-called measures of partisanship, like the efficiency gap. Um, they're not even looking at just, you know, what's going to stay Democrat, what's going to lean Republican, as far as as they're saying. When, and Drew Crompton, he's the top, he, simple term is he's the top attorney for the Senate right. GOP. He, he, I, I was also interested in, in one thing he said, uh, he, he's concerned about the confusion factor. Yes. And what that means is he's trying to make it so that as few people as possible have to change the district in which they are voting. Yeah, and not to say that Drew Crompton's drawing these maps, but the but people he, he's, he's heavily involved. Yes. Yeah, he's not drawing them himself. <laughs> uh, you know, none of the leadership is. Right. Uh, but but I, I found that to be an interesting thing because yeah. the court, I don't believe, said anything. No, about they that. didn't mention that. But that raises the question of you know how much partisanship is too much partisanship and how different these maps will actually be right. because you have these other competing elements of you don't necessarily want to draw a map that might kicks an incumbent congressperson out of well they're all men in Pennsylvania but kick a, a incumbent congressperson out of their existing seat or potentially mess people up in the impending primaries who are running for those seats and if you redraw the lines so that, that they no longer live there, well, they'll have to run for a different congressional seat. Right. And the incumbency issue is really interesting because I think if you're an average Joe, um, the instinct is always just like, okay, we're just trying to protect the people who are, who are already there. But some of the people in political circles will say, like, while that's obviously a very big factor, part of the reason that gets considered is because people who have been around longer in the U.S. House are probably more likely to come up for key um, positions on different committees and maybe that positions mm -hmm. the state better to bring in money. So it's a much more complex issue than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, there's a lot of calculation that goes into this. And to, to, on your point on the confusion factor, Wallace, um, I think the bottom line there is that they're going to try not to change things where they can do that. You know what I mean? Like, there are certain districts, like um, Lou Barletta's district that he's exiting stretches from Hazleton to Carlisle. It's a long district. They can't keep that one the same and still consider it compact. Why? Well, and I, I, I pressed Crompton on this, and, that's and specific, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he... Uh 
I don't think he really gave us a, a solid answer. No. Um, on whether that whether that district would in fact become more compact and no longer stretch that whole corridor mm-hmm. through the middle of the state. Yes, and so we don't really know which ones they're going to change the most. Um, but uh, to be fair, I don't think he knows either. No, no, no. it's not his him like just refusing to answer <laughs> questions. They're having no answers yet. But um, yeah, so there are they are making an effort though to make sure like. You know, things don't change that don't need to change, I think. Now, whether the Supreme Court is going to take that approach, I think, is very doubtful. I think they're going to put in maybe a, just a, I don't know, like a stock map. Well, that's, that's an interesting question, yeah. is what happens? Um, obviously, we don't know what any of these maps would look like. Right. But we have the potential of having the Republican-held legislature putting forward their map, mm-hmm. which there's a decent chance that it would favor Republicans. Number one, because most of the state, the way the demographically we are arranged, most Democrats live in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with, you know, Kentucky or Alabama, (laughs) Tennessee in between. Sure, sure. You know, so, so, but their map would very likely favor Republicans more than say a map drawn by uh, the Wolf administration. So when it gets to the point where we have these maps in hand and maybe Wolf submits a separate one. Um, what does the Supreme Court do? Right. Um, good questions. Answers we don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this gets really complicated, too, because the districts have certain population requirements yeah. they have to meet where you can only be off by, like, one person. So realistically, if I change one district, that could have a domino effect on a lot of other districts of who course. border it. Of course. So, and that's really, and I think the crux of this is, you know, people don't really care too much, I understand this, about, like, the procedural stuff that's happening. They care about is my congressional district going to change? And as of now, it looks like, to some extent, yes, the congressional districts will change, but there are situations in which that wouldn't happen. Um, And just to say, we don't know how much the districts would change. It depends on who ultimately draws the maps. We don't know. But uh, there's a good possibility for further legal action after this happens. Liz, do you want to explain that? Sure. Um, the So the leaders in both the House and the Senate have left open the possibility that they could file further federal court action. And while they haven't gotten into a lot of specifics, there's a lot of speculation that after the court selected a new map, if it were to select a new map, um, that perhaps that might provide grounds for an appeal stating that the court um, overstretched its powers as the judicial branch branch and tried to act as the legislature. Um, Now that would probably end up being filed in a federal court as opposed to a state court where the appeals would end up back before the Supreme Court again. Now, depending on what they file, it could be that, it could be something totally different that we don't expect. And depending on which judge is on the case or how they request certain things, there's always the chance that another court could try and come in and say, hold off, we're not going through with this new map plan just yet. Mm -hmm. So a reader emailed me today saying, "Um, do you have any sense for whether we're going to have a new congressional map in time for the election? And I basically was like, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to stay tuned (laughs) because nobody really knows right now. 
Exactly. And so we have we do have some sense of what federal courts and the U.S. Supreme Court feel about this. Um, this case, a, a similar case, went through a federal court and that court in Philadelphia held that the maps were constitutional. And so they I mean, that invalidated this whole thing that we're still dealing with. So obviously that's a different situation, but it has been in federal court before. The U.S. Supreme Court on this specific case ruled that they weren't going to grant a stay. They were going to let this go forward. So, um, you know, that's sort of an indication that at that time, the Republican opponents to what's happening right now um, didn't have a good enough case. Now, that they think they have a solid shot at getting a different ruling if the maps are redrawn by the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court. So remains to be seen if that's going to actually happen. Um, that's also, I should note, um, Crompton, while he was talking to us, did say that that's their option of last resort, right? They really want to redraw these maps themselves. Yeah, I mean, he, he said his their, their emphasis currently is on getting the maps done, yeah. not on pursuing additional litigation. Now, their emphasis was on litigation. But that could very litigation. well change soon, yeah, <laughs> based on it, what happens in the next week. Their emphasis was on litigation for like the first week and a half of the ruling as well, when they were really trying to get out of it. Um, so they can switch gears quickly. And the Republicans, I, I think they, they do make a good point that all of this happens so quickly. So fast. And the, the Supreme Court handed down their initial order and waited two weeks or so before handing down opinions uh and in that time you know like what there was guidance in the the original order but it, it was kind of vague guidance that uh the republicans said was was not terribly useful right um and speaking of guidance worth noting um these this Supreme Court opinion does sort of hand down new standards for drawing congressional maps for the future, and that's a big deal in this case just because, you know, part of the problem in drawing congressional maps is that there haven't been very specific standards for how they should look um, and who, sh you know, how much partisanship is acceptable. As Wallace said, we still don't know how much partisanship is acceptable, but um, now we have these compact, contiguous um, guidelines that before were used to draw state maps for the state legislature, but have never been applied to congressional maps. So that's something. It's not and nothing. It, it's important to note that what we're talking about is entirely on the congressional level. Yeah, this, it is the yeah. congressional maps that are being redrawn. There is arguably the same kind of problem at the state house and the state senate level in those maps. You can point to funkily drawn state house and state senate maps as well mm -hmm. uh, and there's a long legacy of democrats and republicans drawing those maps to advantage their incumbents and their parties more generally that is not what's being debated in this case and those maps are not being redrawn the only you know on that level uh, you know what would have to happen is a change to the state constitution and so far um, no progress on that front Nope. Um, although people are trying. Now, I think, I mean, that's really kind of all we can say uh, at this point in the day. Hopefully we'll know more later. But anything else you guys want to add on this? Funkily. Funkily. <laughs> that's a really good question. Like, yeah. hey, if somebody knows the answers to all these questions, <laughs> give us a call, man. We're willing and ready to give listen. Give us a call. 
Um, all right. So real quick, we should note we also got a, um, a proposal for the state budget this mm. week. Oh, um, yeah, that happened, too. <laughs> yep, that also happened. Uh, Governor Wolf laid out his uh, priorities for funding the state next year, fiscal year. Um, it was a very laid back budget as I, those I th- go. I think the fact that we are probably going to devote maybe five minutes, if that, to yep. the budget, that how unsurprising that budget was. Right. And I think the important part of it is for the last 10 years, we've had very consistent structural deficits um, in the state. We last year had uh, our state revenue, specifically like sales tax money coming in way, way under what had been projected. And that left us in a $1.5 billion hole, which is one of the reasons, probably the main reason we had that four month budget standoff. Now this year, revenues are coming in pretty good. Uh, We're in a way better spot than we were this time last year. And if if everything stays solid, I don't know what the stock market's doing, but if everything stays solid for us, we're going to come out with a little surplus, which is rare for Pennsylvania. Now, um, that puts them on some slightly better footing. So uh, Wolf wants a billion dollar spending increase. Republicans hate that. That's probably going to be the biggest fighting point they have. The, I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh. One of you talk. <laughs> the, the, the other big point of contention is, once again, Wolf has called for a severance tax uh, on natural gas extraction. Yeah. That, I think, uh, I mean, in addition to the overall spending increase, that's probably the second most controversial thing there. Plus, he wanted a minimum wage increase for the fourth time in four years. Yeah. He hasn't gotten it before. My, uh, my colleague, Charlie Thompson, I, I like the way he put this. He, he called the, uh, the severance tax the Yeti <laughs> of Harrisburg politics because yeah. it's always talked about and it never gets here. You never actually see it. Nope. And it's one of those issues, too. There, well, there are a lot of issues, really, that get tied to the budget, um, where, like, with the severance tax, for example, even if it doesn't pass, Governor Wolf can say he pushed for it, and the Republicans can say they pushed against it, which are things that both of them would use, likely use mm-hmm. in an election. And I think one of the biggest takeaways is, look, this is an election year budget, which is by nature probably going to be less controversial because there's a lot of motivation for people to finish it on time and go out and campaign, right. um, especially those seeking higher office. Right. And speaking of people seeking higher office, one of the biggest, uh, well, all the Republicans give speeches rebutting Wolf's proposal, and Mike Terzai, who's running, wants to run against Wolf for governor, had probably the uh, fieriest one. He uh, pushed for. Um, more accountability in education spending. Um, Wolf wants an increase in education spending. Terzai is a big school choice guy, so he's like pro-charter school, private schools. So he doesn't necessarily want to see a big public ed increase. Um, He also wants... uh, Work requirements for Medicaid, uh, things for like that. Able-bodied for able-bodied workers, workers is yes. the term they use a lot. Yep. And so, um, you know, lots of highly political things that he's going to be pushing. He uh, praised Donald Trump um, during his rebuttal speech. So you can kind of, you get a sense of where he's positioning himself. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, a, I think, a very political budget, but not necessarily an earth-shattering one. But who knows? Everyone has an incentive to be the uh, the responsible person in the room right. to take credit for. Oh, we we got the budget done on time. While they're out on the campaign trail, right? Um, so interesting stuff. <laughs> but we will uh, follow. You know, everyone's reporting from the state capitol to see what exactly happens with these legislative maps um, in the next day and into next week, probably. Uh, Other than that, not a whole lot we can say. Um, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Funkily. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back next week.